Cause in the life they're living, you can't have step It starts with the young ones doing crowds for fun And if you ain't down, you'll get played out, son So let's get a car, you know I fly with Get a dent, pull a screwdriver, and be off quick with the dope ride yeah. Alright, Saturday, 12.04 p.m. here on the West Coast Coming at you guys, it is BK here from stormy San Diego Yeah, the rain was coming down hard earlier this morning But we'll make our way through it Please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual. You can check out the Instagram at BK Actual. Lots to get to. Let's go to Iran because they had an election that was yesterday. And these were the Iranian parliamentary elections. And so far, Iran's conservatives are on the brink of a landslide victory in those parliamentary elections. As forecasts show them taking more than two-thirds of the seats in parliament. Now, this is unofficial results. Nothing's been officially announced yet. I just checked. Now, the reformists, which are the largest grouping in the outgoing parliament, have been decisively beaten, with predictions showing them taking only 17 seats in their parliament, which is 290 members. The conservatives are on course to take around 200 seats, including all 30 seats in the capital of Tehran, which was previously a stronghold of those reformers. Now, these conservatives, if you don't know anything about them, and who does, right? They are claimed to be some kind of diverse group, but many of the senior conservatives are former supporters of ex-president Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. And this election result, so far from what we're seeing, if it holds up, is kind of a rebuff for those who had pushed for greater engagement with the West. And in addition, the parliament could now press for Iran to quit that nuclear non-proliferation treaty signed by the Obama administration. Now, in Tehran, they said they had low turnout at between 20 and 25% only. Uh, So... This is going to have ramifications clearly. Uh, The value of this verdict is kind of in question. You know, the U.S. kind of scoffs at the entire idea that it's a a true and honest election in the first place. Uh, But turnout, just so you know, like I said, it was low, but turnout was 64% total around the country in 2014 and 62% in 2016. Now, the deadline for closing the 55,000 polling booths located around the country on Friday yesterday had been repeatedly extended, uh, with pro-government sources claiming the polls were kept open until midnight to cope with high turnout. So, uh, again, this has kind of been dismissed as a farce by the U.S. government. Uh, But this result means that strong supporters of the supreme leader of Iran, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, now control all the main levers of power in Iran except for the presidency. Now, those reformists were elected and swept into power four years ago on a ticket of engagement with the West, and they had been the largest party in parliament, but many found that their proposals had been blocked by other centers of power in Iran Notably, this Guardian Council is what they're called. Now, presidential elections are due next year. Of course, the incumbent of Iran, the president, is Hassan Rouhani, and he's seen as kind of a centrist. He's not as conservative as these you know, wacko Iranian Ayatollah hardliners. 
But I mean, it is Iran. You know, how liberal can one be? But these initial results showed that as many as 14 senior figures in Ahmadinejad's presidency have been elected now to parliament, as well as his former central bank governor. Uh, so the former mayor of Tehran, a guy named Mohammad Ghalibaf, was an Iran-Iraq war veteran and a former commander of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Uh, he won his race for parliament in Tehran, and they believe he is in a strong position to take over their parliament's speakership. Uh, so this guy, Ghalibaf, the former mayor, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps guy, he says that only 30% of the country's economic problems are caused by sanctions, and he claims that mismanagement of the economy is the chief culprit. So we'll see. Uh, a little bit about the candidates. There were about 7,150 candidates from more than 16,000 hopefuls, and to even become a candidate from those 16,000 hopefuls, you had to survive screening by government-run panels and that aforementioned Guardian Council. What is the Guardian Council? The Guardian Council is a conservative body of clerics and jurists who assess your commitment to Islam, belief in the system of religious law, and the Islamic Republic. So, in other words, you can't even get on the ballot until you first pass muster as a good Muslim by this Guardian Council. Uh, a third of incumbent parliament members were barred from standing again. Now, parliament, interestingly enough, has no foreign, formal role over foreign policy, but it could intervene if Rouhani, the president, tries to engage in any talks with the U.S. before lifting of sanctions. So there you go. You guys now know more about Iranian elections than 98% of the entire English-speaking world. So congratulations. That's what we do here. You know how it goes. And I'm not even done with the foreign election updates. Who else do I got? I got the Afghan election. You guys remember this? If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably remember that it was in some dispute. And it's been in dispute for months. Uh, to be precise, five months. Well... This week, President Ashraf Ghani has officially been declared the winner of Afghanistan's presidential vote, like I said, after five months of delayed results and bitter dispute. And this is all on the cusp of a U.S. peace deal with the Taliban. Uh, this did not sit well with Ghani's leading challenger, remember, Abdullah Abdullah, who accuses... Afghanistan's election commission of favoring the incumbent Ghani. He has also declared himself the winner and said he would form a government of his own. <laughs> uh, you gotta love it. Now, the dispute over the election result comes just after a breakthrough in the negotiations between the United States and the Taliban with the two sides arriving at a tightly choreographed peace plan expected to be rolled out in a matter of days. Now, the plan calls first for a test period of violence reduction, which would lead to the Taliban and Washington signing a deal. Soon after that, the idea is for the two Afghan sides to sit down to discuss the political future of the country. It remains to be seen if that actually happens. Remember, the Taliban does not want to talk 
to the Afghan leadership. They view it as our puppet. They've only talked to us. Uh, what else about here? They did say that Ghani, the president, Ashraf Ghani, had won with the narrowest of margins. He got 50.64% of the vote, just surpassing the 50% minimum required for an outright victory with no runoff. So this win puts Ghani in position for another five-year term as president. Uh, anything else in here? You know, th this, is, this isn't even the first time this has happened. Uh, in 2014, both Ghani and Abdullah were stuck in another disputed election that went to a runoff. Uh, Abd after Abdullah led in the first round in 2014, Ghani came from behind to win in the runoff, and that led to Mr. Abdullah rejecting the results again. And it took John Kerry, then Secretary of State, to broker a power-sharing agreement where Mr. Ghani became president and Abdullah Abdullah became the government's chief executive with control over a large share of appointments. Uh, so, during their five years of sharing power, the two men would fight often. And in that five years, they lost about 50,000 Afghan forces to the in, in battle with the Taliban. Not even just casualties, like deaths. 50,000. Oh boy, lots of uh, lots of interesting factoids in this New York Times article here. Uh, Abdullah and other candidates disputed about three hundred thousand votes from the low turnout of about one point eight million people, and among those disputed votes were a hundred thousand ballots registered in the system either before or after voting hours. In some cases, by weeks or months, they just can't seem to. Can't seem to figure it out, can they? And now, finally, yes, let us turn to our election. And this was breaking news yesterday. Big news. And it's back again, you guys. I try, you know, I'm probably the only guy, one of the few guys who has a podcast who was correct about the Russia nonsense in the beginning. Remember, I like barely even covered it just because I knew it was bullshit. And now they're at it again. And this time... They're saying that Russia have now been trying to intervene in the Democratic primaries to aid Senator Bernie Sanders, according to people familiar with the matter. And Bernie Sanders said on Friday, yes, that intelligence officials have recently briefed him. Now, of course, this comes on the day before the Nevada caucuses. We're going to get into that in a moment where Bernie Sanders is a clear favorite. And this followed revelations a day earlier that Moscow was intervening on President Trump's behalf this year, as they did in 2016. Uh, it's funny. It's like everybody who opposes the Democratic media complex is a Russian asset. That's what they said about Trump, and now it's Bernie's time. And for all you good libs who happily went along with the, along with the Russia nonsense, now it's coming back to bite you. Because they saw how great it tied up Trump, and now they're going to use it on Bernie. So I hope you're proud of yourselves. Now, the intelligence community did say that Russia was interfering in this campaign right now in 2020. And, and you know, and I just, as I put out on Twitter, you know, there's a dirty little secret behind this because now everybody's like big talk like Russia is meddling and Trump won't do anything. And I'm like, what's he supposed to do exactly? You t how do you stop this? Remember, when they say meddling, these are not votes being changed. 
Okay, they aren't like breaking. I'm sure they try, but they have not been successful. And everybody from across the board, Democrat and Republican, have said there's been no evidence whatsoever that any outside source or hacker or foreign power has been able to change votes. Fine. What they can do and what they do is deploy these like troll bot armies onto the Internet and make memes and political ads. And I'm like, how are you supposed to stop that? How are you going to stop? a person in Russia from posting memes on Facebook that are filled with like half truths, obfuscations, the rest of it. It's, it's freaking impossible. And by all means, I'm open to suggestions. You tell me how that's going to work exactly. And yes, if you don't think we're doing the same thing all over the world, you're dumb, but here's the problem. American pop culture kind of rules the world, right? Russia and people in Russia are apt to know much more about our culture and our memes and how to push our buttons and who's popular on the internet and who's not popular and who's an enemy and who's in the media and all this other stuff, right? And these Russian operatives know a lot about that. What do you know about Russia? Nothing, right? Most people don't know jack shit about Russia. I couldn't tell you what the number one Russia movie is or a famous Russian pop star at the moment. I don't know what their memes are. But they know all this stuff. Far more than we do. And I just ask again, and I said, I think I said like years ago when this was going on in 2016, I was like, there's nothing you can do about this. What it requires is an engaged citizenry using their intellect and critical thinking skills to sift through the nonsense and propaganda and arrive at a logical conclusion, which, of course, means we're doomed because we don't have an American electorate like that. And they know that. You're prone to whatever outrageous thing you saw on Facebook last time, like the midget kid in Australia. <laughs> I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. How many? I'm not, I'm not saying that was a total fraud, but something's not right there. Anyway, I'm getting off track. You guys know what I mean. Everything that comes along, people have to, they have to chime in. They have to retweet because they're so mad. And that's what it is. It's sowing division. It's causing chaos. It's sowing doubt about election results. That's the main goal. And that's what they're trying to do with Bernie Sanders now as well. Because these good liberals who are in charge of all these media companies and the Democratic National Committee... You know what? They like all the gay marriage and the left-wing stuff and government spending, but they like their huge houses. They like their private jets. They like their millions and millions of dollars in consulting fees. So Bernie Sanders is an existential threat to that as well from the left, if that makes sense. So they don't want him. And as you guys have been listening, you've probably been hearing me play various montages of people freaking out. So uh, I have a few clips here right off the bat. Here is Bernie Sanders responding to word that Russia is meddling in our campaign via those memes. Let's hear from Bernie. Uh, Sanders is speaking in Bakersfield, California right now. I want to listen in. Or acknowledges or not, they did interfere in 2016. The intelligence community is telling us they are interfering in this campaign right now in 2020 and what i say to mr putin if elected president trust me you are not going to be interfering in american elections when were you briefed on this? i'm guessing about a month ago and what and what are you going to do now that you, now that you know this 
Well, we, I, it was not clear what role they're going to play. We were told that Russia and maybe other countries are going to get involved in this campaign. Uh, and look, here is the message to Russia. Stay out of American elections. And what they are doing, by the way, the ugly thing that they are doing, and I've seen some of their, you know, their tweets and stuff, is they try to divide us up. That's what they did in 2016. And that is the ugliest thing they're doing, is they are trying to cause chaos. They're trying to cause hatred in America. That's right. They're trying to cause chaos and they're trying to cause hatred in America. That's right, Bernie. He's, he absolutely nails it. So, But again, what are you going to do about it? Uh, now, here's funny. Here's a far-left liberal, Eric Swalwell, and he's talking about Russia, but he's talking about this is different from when Trump does it. Let's listen General. to this. Uh, the reporting is is that Donald Trump was was not only was briefed that both he and Bernie Sanders, uh, that Russia was trying to assist both he and Bernie Sanders. That is the reporting that we yeah, see this week, that. that we have this evening, and I, and I absolutely understand and appreciate that you don't want to talk about anything that occurred in a classified setting. But as you mentioned, since Bernie Sanders confirmed that he was briefed, do you have any question, uh, any reason to question the reporting that you all were briefed on this as well? Again, I I won't go into that other than our committee has consistently for the past year been looking at what Russia is trying to do in our elections. And we believe that the upcoming election should be free from interference. The voters voted for that in 2018 when they gave us the midterm election was that they wanted more oversight of the elections. But again, just to, I guess, put a finer point on mm-hmm. what's going on here at Bernie Sanders, you can't hold it against Bernie Sanders that this may be a preference of Russia. But you can hold it and ask questions about Donald Trump if he again is working as an agent of Russia by seeking not only one to tweet at Bernie Sanders and try and amplify his campaign to get him as a general election opponent, but two, if he is indeed firing people on his staff who are telling others about Russia's preferences. Again, that's Donald Trump trying to cover up things to help Russia. Okay, so you got that? So when, when it's when it's Bernie, that's not Bernie's fault at all. But when it's Trump, it's orange man bad. I just summed it up for you right there. And now here is Lawrence O'Donnell going, this guy needs to be, somebody needs to throw a net over this guy and like <laughs> drag him off this TV stage because he is like having a full meltdown he is convinced of this secret cabal of Kremlin agents is pulling the string. Let's listen to stupid MSNBC Lawrence With another test of America's ability to be shocked by Donald Trump, who has very deliberately shocked America to the point where he hopes that shock has been replaced by acceptance. Mm, the president scary. is a Russian operative. <laughs> that sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real and it is vladimir putin's greatest achievement decades after america's victory in the cold war and the collapse of the soviet union the president of the united states is now helping the president of russia help the president of the united states to get reelected so that the president of russia will have four more years of the president of the united states who he wants in the Oval Office. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this jibber jabber right here because it's so funny. It flies in the face of all that's logical. If 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 Trump really was a stooge of Russia, do you think like for one thing, the fracking thing alone, right? Trump is wildly pro fracking. It has created our own energy independence. It's made Russian oil worth much less to us because we can get our own, right? 
So a stooge of the Russia would gladly outlaw fracking, would they not? So this is, and Bernie Sanders has vowed to outlaw fracking, I believe. So I don't even know what he's talking about here. Like there's absolutely every, all of our foreign policy moves have been actually in contrary to what Russia wants. Oh, are you telling me, oh, the, the, uh, the, the Kurds, <laughs> Syria? Oh no, if we leave Syria, then it becomes Putin's problem and he wins. And I'm like, uh, and? <laughs> so you mean, wait a minute, do you mean Putin gets the fucking giant clusterfuck in the Middle East for 20 years, spending trillions of dollars and losing thousands of his soldiers instead of us? Oh my God, that sounds horrendous. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, now here is, uh, I told you guys, I have a, mo here's the montage. I know this is separate. I have the whole other political roundup because we had debates and other nonsense going earlier, but uh, this was too good. And you guys know I love the montage. So here is the media kind of wigging out because Bernie Sanders is crushing this nomination. I love the montage. It was a great night for Bernie Sanders. I thought it was a great night for Donald Trump. I thought it was a terrible night for the Democrats. The truth is Bernie Sanders is on its trajectory to be the Democratic nominee. To me, he I just don't see him having any shot in a general election. I'm panicked. I am absolutely panicked. Well, uh, no one but Bernie, Stephanie. Come on, he's an anarchist. He would love to burn down the United States. <laughs> if we nominate a socialist like Bernie Sanders, we're going to lose. It'll be like George McGovern. It'll be a blowout. And nobody just says the obvious. Bernie, you're full of it. They're just pandering well, that's to true. the Bernie people. And you know what pandering gets you? Nothing. It certainly doesn't get your respect. Tom Perez needs to step down. He's a joke. He's a clown. He can't run the Democratic Party anymore. It, it's lost its way. I don't see how Democrats uh, do anything but bleed out when they put a socialist at the top of the ticket. It is a death sentence for the party, and it will lead to Donald Trump's re-election. The loser, as Leslie put it, are the Democrats. They've got to get out there and say, I disagree with socialism. I believe in the markets. Right. I think he's wrong. I think he'll never get it done. And in this country, we'll never go that direction. And by the way, we'll lose 49 states. Corbyn didn't work in England. Bernie ain't going to work in the United States. Then Anyone but Bernie. There you go. Anybody but Bernie. Yeah, you know, they got a point, and it's pretty funny, but... Hey, the will of the people, you know, they're going to get a good heart. You know what is funny, though? And I'm going to get into more of this with the political roundup because I have some debate clips. But it's like, yeah... Chris Matthews, you heard him in there saying, when are they going to go after Bernie? Because everybody's afraid. And it's like nobody wants to win. Like, if you're out to win, and this is like kind of with, with Bloomberg earlier in the week at that stupid debate, right, when Elizabeth Warren jumped his shit, why wouldn't you just start immediately turn on her and calling her a serial liar and fabricator who claimed her Indian ancestorship? Because he's afraid. He doesn't have the guts. You think Trump would have held back on doing that? Nobody wants to go after Bernie hard. Nobody wants to go after Biden. They don't want to go after each other because it's all like kind of us against Trump. Okay, well, you're going to do that. You're not going to win. It's the only way to do it. Again, I have more for the political roundup, but let's leave it there for now. Uh, crazy stuff happening. Russia everywhere. Putin. Damn you, Putin. Let's go to Kenya. If you guys haven't noticed, there's been this crazy like locust storm that's uh, kind of blanketing Africa, and Kenya is battling its worst desert locust outbreak in 70 years. Now, this newest infestation has spread through much of the eastern part of the continent and the Horn of Africa, 
It's raising pasture and croplands in Somalia and Ethiopia and is moving into South Sudan, uh, Djibouti, Uganda, and Tanzania. Now, these locusts, I had no idea. Here's some locust facts for you. Uh, the highly mobile creatures can travel over 80 miles a day, and the swarms can contain as many as 80 million locust adults in each square kilometer. And those swarms eat the same amount of food per day as about 35,000 people. So yes, this is serious. Uh, officials say this infestation poses a risk to food security, and if it's not controlled soon, it's going to actually exacerbate conflict over grazing land. And if there's one thing friggin' Africa doesn't need any more of, it's ethnic tribal conflict. Now, in addition to the 12 million people already experiencing acute food shortages in Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia, that locust crisis now poses a potential threat to the food security of over 20 million other people, according to a UN agency. And they call this a uh, huge, the magnitude of the problem is just gigantic. And, a lo and it, the pro what makes it harder is that it's a moving target, right? Uh, the locusts are particularly threatening to pastoral communities, which rely on vegetation to feed their livestock. Uh, so, yeah, this is the pictures are pretty crazy. Now, Kenya started aerial spraying of chemicals in January uh, to combat this locust invasion, but this is like a huge part of the world, and many of the eggs laid by locusts, they said could evade eradication. Uh, now, also, the national government has stopped spraying in the area because of a depletion in the pesticide supply, so they're kind of like waiting on uh, chemicals to get there. And the UN says if the locust numbers are not suppressed soon, they could grow by 500 times by June. Anything else about locusts in here? Uh... And the you know spraying for locusts, while it can be effective in controlling the pest, then you have a whole other host of problems, right? Uh, tainted water supplies used for both drinking and washing, as well as crop watering. Now, this current infestation in the Horn of Africa was exacerbated by the heavy rainfalls that pounded the region from October through December of 2019 and helped create conditions that are conducive for the breeding and growth of desert locusts. And you know, this is neat. Their bodies undergo dramatic changes in response to the environment. Desert locusts can develop the wings they need to swarm across seas and continents with the help of warm temperatures and the right amount of rain to grow the plants they need for food. So, uh, what are they going to do about this? Well, the UN is trying to raise $76 million to start with. The World Food Program's executive director is uh, says they're going to need more than a billion dollars in assistance. So with all that, the UN said only about $20 million has been received specifically for this problem so far. Uh, pretty wild. So little Africa, man. It never ends with them. Okay, what else? Uh, there's New York Times had a story about small arms 
as you guys know, if uh, you've been listening, you remember we ha just had two U.S. soldiers KIA in Afghanistan. That was the green on blue incident. That was Staff Sergeant Javier Gutierrez and Staff Sergeant Antonio Rodriguez were both killed when an Afghan soldier opened fire. And he opened fire with an American-supplied M249 machine gun while they were waiting for an airlift. Uh, so... Oh, they named this guy in this newest story. The two sergeants and their American Special Forces team were betrayed by a guy named Sergeant Jawad, an Afghan army soldier who went by a single name. He was a six-year veteran of the very force the Pentagon helped create and equip. Now, this weapon he used was one of hundreds of thousands doled out by the U.S. over the course of the 18-year-long war. By various tallies, the Pentagon has supplied roughly 465,000 small arms to Afghan security forces purchased and dispatched from at least 18 countries. Um, the weapons include Soviet Kalashnikov rifles and jet black American M16s, in addition to sniper rifles, pistols, machine guns, and even anti-tank recoilless rifles even though the Taliban insurgency has not possessed any tanks since 2001. And although the weapons were intended for the Afghan army and police forces, the military's failure to document how and to where they were distributed has meant that many of them, shockingly, found their way into the hands of militant groups throughout Afghanistan and the Middle East. In 2013... The Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, the often-mentioned SIGAR, reported that 43% of the Department of Defense's records for small arms sent to Afghanistan were missing information or were duplicates. Yeah, the bureaucracy. Shocking failure. Now, this near-continuous arms flow has cost millions in taxpayer dollars, and many of those millions remain unaccounted for along with many of the weapons themselves. In recent years, the Pentagon has tried to improve its methods for tracking the weapons, but low literacy rates have made it difficult for Afghan soldiers and armorers to maintain accurate records. And once a status symbol for senior commanders and insurgents, the American-made M16 is now seemingly as prevalent as the Soviet-style rifles, the AK-47, that make up much of the insurgency's arsenal. And uh, I've, I've actually talked about this before. Pickup trucks, armored Humvees, and night vision goggles have also found their way into Taliban hands. Between 2014 and 2017, the Taliban more than doubled their nighttime attacks thanks to those stolen night vision devices. Hmm. There's a lot more in here. Um, there's some 249 information if you're interested in it. Uh, the New York Times identified at least 43 bullet holes on the concrete wall behind where the Americans were shot. So this guy just went, yeah, he went full auto. He only fired for a matter of seconds before he was shot and killed by an American guard in a nearby tower. Wow. It's sad. It's just, this is like Fast and Furious all over again. The ideas these guys come up with, you know? 
Oh, well, you know, we're going to arm these uh, illiterate uh, Afghan forces. That's almost as good of an idea as letting guns go into the Mexican heartland so the cartels can uh, have them, and we'll keep track of them. Oh, man. All right, what else? Uh, there's an interesting story but with Israel. Let's go there. Israel is accusing the militant group Hamas of catfishing their soldiers to plant malware. Oh, man, this is the biggest scam, and it works every time. The Israeli military said Sunday that it had foiled a catfishing attempt to gain access to soldiers' phones. And this is at least the third instance since 2017 in which Hamas, who is, remember, that Islamic militant group that controls Gaza, had tried to dupe its troops by posing as Israeli women seeking romance. And now Hamas is launching counter-accusations. They are accusing Israel of hacking one of its groups on the messaging app Telegram and posting doctored photos of Hamas intelligence officers in embarrassing poses. Uh, that's great. The Israelis said Hamas tricked soldiers into using women's, uh, they, I'm sorry, they tricked soldiers using women's photos that had been altered to defeat easy reverse image searches uh, with fake names. Uh, they even built up like, you know, social media profiles. They they used Hebrew slang on the social media profiles. So this was much more than just the easily spot bot, you know. Uh, and uh, this is this is great. To justify communicating only by text, the military said, the decoys said that they were hearing impaired or had speech impediments, right? Because, <laughs> you know, if you're getting, if some hot chick hits you guys up on the gram, you know, right away, you're like, well, you know, I, I've, I listen to BK. Uh, B, so obviously, I'm much more smart than the average person, not to mention 10 times more jacked and tan. And I know that catfishing is a thing. So I want to FaceTime this chick to make sure I, you know, I'm not sending her any embarrassing material. And that's when Hamas is like, oh, no, no, it's because I, I can't, though. I'm hearing impaired. Good one. After a few texts, the soldiers were baited to download Android-compatible apps. These apps are billed as functioning like Snapchat, but instead allowed Hamas to take control of the phone cameras and to transmit photos, audio recordings, messages, and files back to Hamas servers. Hundreds of soldiers were targeted, and dozens fell for the ruse over several months. Uh, they're claiming no damage was caused but soldiers are being summoned to have this malware removed from their phone. Uh, and what, you know, they, they, the reason they caught this was that Hamas did make a mistake. Uh, they, they tried reusing one of those fake identities that Israel had already discovered from a previous cyber attack, right? So they got lazy. You got, you got to keep churning out those fake profiles. You can't use the same one over and over again. And the soldiers involved, oh, here you go, guys. Here's your OPSEC lesson for the day, operational security. The soldiers involved made the mistake of revealing on social media that they were on active duty. See, they're posting up the pics on the gram. The chicks showing the booty shots, probably. I see all the, the chicks in uniform Instagram accounts. Come on. 
All right, so that's amusing. Uh, let's turn to some more criminal investigation stuff. And uh, here's one from Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, directors and humane agents with Animal Charity made a disturbing find. Uh, they went to a house on the city's west side after a local TV station, WKBN, contacted them about tips they had received about a video circulating on social media. Investigators say the video, get ready, showed a woman engaging in acts of bestiality with a pair of Shih Tzu dogs, one of which was pregnant with puppies. Uh, come on. Not the Shih Tzu. Oh, Lord. Anything in any good detail in here? Uh, investigators are working with the sheriff's office to see if there are more videos on the woman's cell phone. The dogs are being cared for at Animal Charity. Uh, they don't really have uh, any other detail in here, but goddamn, like not just the shit to the not only okay, it's gross to begin with, but the, also the dog's like pregnant. <laughs> I mean, is that really is what's going to get you going? Okay, let's turn to Canada. I know I got a lot of Canadian listeners. I think I briefly mentioned this like a week or two ago, but there's been this like long-running dispute over this pipeline in British Columbia, and it's kind of turned, it's, it's like crippling the entire country. So now this is this blockade in support of, of these indigenous people in British Columbia and Prime Minister Blackface Justin Trudeau has called an end for the blockades. Now this started as a solidarity protest along a key railway line in Ontario, but then it ballooned into a series of nationwide disruptions of various sizes and duration. And this snarled traffic in cities, ports were cut off, British Columbia's legislature was effectively closed. Now, while some of the other protests, like the original one, mainly involved other indigenous groups, many have included many non-indigenous individuals who appear to be acting more in opposition to energy pipelines than in sympathy with the indigenous group's land claims. So, yes, this is now Trudeau. Uh, is said, okay, this is enough of this, and uh, let's let's get going here. This is like crippling our, our whole country. So some of this has to do with this pipeline, and this pipeline would link British Columbia's gas fields to a, a plant, like a gas plant, right? Uh, this plant is supposed to liquefy natural gas and then fill tankers that are bound for Asia. Okay, sorry, I'm, I got to skip around a little bit because this this article is like tortured, torturedly written. So they don't like this pipeline and the hereditary chiefs of the indigenous tribes don't like the pipeline either. And this pipeline happens to be entirely within the province of British Columbia's boundaries. So the federal government really doesn't have any significant role in that approval. And, uh, you know, not all the indigenous people oppose the pipeline also, like other pipeline protests we've seen with indigenous communities. Many of those indigenous are actually employed and making good money 
through the pipeline. So, the, you know, they, they want it to be around in there. So this is uh, going on this persistent blockade all over the country, and it's just kind of screwing the whole country. So this is just going to go. It shows no sign of ending at all. Let's go back to California and go to Victorville. <laughs> and you got to love this headline, man. Police arrest Victorville transient on parole for masturbating in public. That's right. Uh, 66 years old, George Cockerham. He is a vagrant, transient, hobo, drifter, ne'er-do-well, whatever you want to say. And yes, he was arrested. He's on, he's on parole for also allegedly masturbating in public multiple times, okay? So so this time he got picked up when on February 17th, 2020, Cockerham stood outside of a business in Victorville and just started fucking jacking it while he looked inside the window where employees were working. The following day, he did the same thing at another business. <laughs> uh, but he managed to evade detection and... He has many, many prior convictions for doing the uh, same kind of thing. So, how? Are you, let me ask you, good liberals, this: what's the what's your plan for dealing with Cockerham, sixty-six years old, clearly out of his goddamn mind, right? But no, you're just gonna let him go and wander around the streets and fucking tug one out wherever he feels like it. That's because that's what your plan, your inaction is your plan, and that so that is your plan. My plan is to lock up George Cockerham in a hospital and dose him with many doses of drugs, and so maybe he can get some semblance of sanity back. That's my plan. Which way are you going to go? All right, let's keep going around the world. Let's go to this German shooting. And uh, this was uh, pretty crazy. This happened in Hanau. Germany. It's a small city in Western Germany, and a far-right extremist opened fire at a hookah bar this week, and it killed. He killed nine people. Uh, so this is now all over. This is big in Germany. The attack says that the attack the authorities say was carried out by a 43-year-old German who had posted a racist video and screed on the internet. And he was later found dead from a gunshot along with his mother at his home. Remember, Germany's got those weird uh, privacy laws. They don't want to name people. His rampage took place in the heart of a region that prides itself on diversity and tolerance. But the victims weren't even recent asylum seekers from places like Syria. Rather, for the most part, they came from Turkish and Kurdish families that have lived in Germany for generations. Uh, so there's, there's not a, like a, there's not like a lot of information. Again, the privacy laws are absurd, but you know, it's interesting Germany, some of these guest workers were brought to Germany in the 1950s and sixties because of labor shortages. That's when many of these Kurdish and Turkish guys started, uh, showing up in Germany. So many people in Western Germany have reg regarded this right wing sentiment as largely an Eastern German phenomenon. 
when those waves of Syrian refugees arrived in 2015, they were barely noticed in some Western cities because they already had those large minority communities. So now they're wondering if the right-wing sentiment that had gripped Eastern Germany had kind of finally taken hold. Um, Hanau does have, this town of Hanau does have some right-wing sympathizers. In the last city elections, the far-right Republicaner Party received almost 10% of the votes. And that was before the Alternative for Germany, or AFD, became the first far-right party to enter parliament since World War II in Germany's last elections in 2018. Uh, remember, Germany does have some of the world's strictest gun laws. Um, they did kind of figure out this guy's name because German, although German authorities did not officially identify him, he did have a valid gun license, and that gun license was issued to Tobias Rathgen is the guy's name. And this guy posted a nearly two-minute screed to YouTube. He spoke in accented English. He addressed Americans, citing various conspiracy theories and urging us, the Americans, to, quote, fight now, end quote. And it's funny because, guys, what do I say? You've been listening for a long time. What's my, what's my number one ironclad rule of mass shooters? What's the underlying ideology? Say it with me. The incel. That's right. The involuntary cel celibate. I don't care if it's a far rightist or a Muslim extremist. Nobody who's getting any trim is shooting up a school or shooting up people like this. They just, they just don't. It does not happen. And one guy in this article, Peter Neumann, a professor of security studies, says, quote, the profiles of all of the attackers are uncannily similar. All are socially isolated men who spend a lot of time online and had problems with women, end quote. See? Now this professor has to fill his quote with various uh, academic jargon. I obviously am much more blunt and plain spoken about it, but I've, I've, I've called this years and years ago. Now... The number of far-right hate crimes surged from 2017 to 2018. Now, these attacks include stabbings, beatings, threats, and harassment, targeting minorities and politicians. All right. And last week, the authorities actually broke up a suspected far-right terrorist network that they said had been plotting to attack politicians, asylum seekers, and Muslims. And among those 12 men arrested in that ring was a police officer. Um, some stats about Germany. There are 82 million people in Germany. Roughly a quarter of them are immigrants or their descendants. So they've been having a lot of like identity you know, problems. And if there's one thing we know about the Germans, uh, when it comes to questions of uh, you know racial superiority, they don't exactly have a glowing track record, do they? No. They sure don't. The unpleasantness of the 40s, we'll call it. So, uh, yeah, no good there. I can't believe they won't name the guy. That's so stupid and ch childish. But what are you going to do? Speaking of terrorists, oh, okay. 
All right, here's a pop quiz you got. If you get this, honestly, if any of you guys know this name, you should just do the podcast for me, and I'll just quit right now because you're really, really good. Who is Saifulo Saipov? All right, I know you're all frantically thinking, who is that guy? Well, if you guessed, he was the Uzbek national who killed eight people by driving a truck down that New York City bike path in 2017. Remember that? You would be correct. That's, that's who he is. Anyway, Saipov is in the news uh, because he threatened to behead a corrections officer for waking him up in the jail. Where is that? <laughs> He's only 32. He's in the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan. That's where uh, that's where Epstein uh, did not kill himself, right? I believe it is. Uh, so this this is making the news because prosecutors now say they want to introduce this incident as proof of future dangerousness during the penalty phase if he is convicted at his April 20th trial. That's right. He has not gone on trial yet, so technically he is still innocent. Remember, this is the Uzbek who we just had to have. He legally moved from to the U.S. from Uzbekistan in 2010, and he drove that rented pickup truck down a bike path along Manhattan's Hudson River. That was October 31st, 2017, killing eight people before crashing into a school bus. Uh, that was the deadliest assault in New York City since September 11th, 2001. He has pled not guilty. Uh, so in this case, he told the supervisor, or the jail supervisor, they were mad because he, he has a security camera in his cell, I guess, and he kept blocking it. So they said, don't do that. And he said, listen, I'm going to keep blocking the security camera until your head was cut off. And he also called the officer an animal. Hmm. Uh, he later told the jail's disciplinary committee, he told the officer that if he dared open his cell in two minutes, quote, other guys will be picking up your dead body, end quote. And that he wanted to cut his animal head off. That's a spot-on impression of exactly what he sounds like. You guys know there's nobody else who does impressions like I do. You keep looking for it. You're not going to find it. Let's turn to the UK. A influential aide of Boris Johnson was forced to quit after a racial firestorm. And you guys know there's nothing I like better than a racial firestorm. So this guy's name was Dominic Cummings. And you know what? I'm sorry. This story is horribly written. Let me back up. They make it sound like Dominic Cummings was the guy who said the rate. He's not. He is an aide to Prime Minister Boris Johnson who invited a lot of weirdos and misfits, that's a quote from him, to apply to work for Boris Johnson, right? So on Monday, one of these new recruits named Andrew Sabisky was at the center of a furor over his past assertions that blacks have a lower IQ than whites and that enforced contraception could prevent, quote, creating a permanent underclass, end quote. 
So uh, the opposition Labor Party uh, was not uh, happy with this. They demanded the dismissal of the advisor. And then Sabisky himself announced that he was stepping down, complaining of the media hysteria. So, okay, well, that's too bad. That's probably, a, that's not a good look for you either. How about Burkina Faso? Talk about them a lot, and it's always bad. 100% of the time when I'm talking about Burkina Faso, it's terrible. And we're going to keep that street, street going because uh, gunmen killed at least 24 people including a pastor in an attack on a church during Sunday Mass in northwestern Burkina Faso. It was not immediately clear who was responsible for the attack, but jihadist groups with links to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State are seeking to gain control over those rural areas of Burkina Faso by exacerbating ethnic and religious conflict. Hundreds of people have died over the past year in this region, and more than half a million have fled their homes. So this shooting was during a church service in the village of Pansi in the Yaga region, and it does mirror other attacks on Christians in the region, including assaults on churches and assassinations of pastors and priests. Now, you know, Burkina Faso has a majority Muslim population, and they've long had a minority Christian population. Uh, the Christians represent up to about a quarter of the people in the country. And for the most part, they've gotten along, but now these armed groups and these sporadic attacks are threatening that. A couple of recent other examples, you know, that we've covered these in the past. In October of last year, gunmen stormed a mosque during Friday prayer and killed 15 people, right? So that was from the other side. And the number of people displaced by the conflict there has increased tenfold in 2019 to more than 560,000 people. That makes it the world's fastest-growing displacement crisis, according to an International Refugee Council. Okay, and let's stay there in Africa and talk about, I don't think I've ever talked about this country before, Lesotho. The Lesotho prime minister is a guy named Thomas the Bain, and he was expected to be charged this week in the killing of his estranged wife, the prime minister. Well, he failed to appear in court. So this follows weeks of mounting pressure and the announcement he would resign the presidency. Uh, so, yes, they're saying it's the only reason he didn't show up to court is because he fell ill. He's willing to appear before the court, blah, blah, blah. Here are the charges against him. But this killing has riveted the southern African kingdom of Lesotho for more than two years as accusations have swirled around Mr. Thabane, who's 80 years old, and his new wife, someone named Masaya, who had long competed for the title of Lesotho's first lady, and she too, Masaya, was herself charged in the killing this month. So Thabane and his estranged wife, who's named Lipolelo, 
had been embroiled in bitter divorce proceedings for five years when she was gunned down in her car in June of 2017. She died at the scene near her home. Uh, so this was just two days before Thabane's inauguration to his new presidential term. A moment of silence was observed during that swearing-in for his wife. He called the killing at the time senseless. Days later, he attended the funeral of his former wife with his soon-to-be new wife, the Masaya chick, who he married at the end of that summer. So after the 2017 killing, the police had said that the assailants were unknown and at large. But by last December, police had informed the Bane that telephone records were leading investigators to him. <laughs> so investigators are basically saying that this chick, his new wife, the Masaya chick, hired the assailants because those two women had been engaged in a years-long battle over who could claim the title of first lady along with the related benefits of having a driver, vehicle, and bodyguard. Hmm, see? Don't get in the way of a first lady and her bodyguard, man. Uh, Lesotho, a few facts about Lesotho. It is a former British colony of 2.2 million people that is surrounded by South Africa. So the country of Lesotho gained its independence in 1966, and Thabane has been a political hack there for decades ever since then. Wow, this is a fascinating story. It just keeps going on and on. Yeah, go check that out. Uh, really, uh, really great. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to get between a, a an African first lady and her bodyguard and her driver. If that's what she wants, you know what? Like, go ahead and have it. All right. Let's keep going around the world. Let's go to Australia. Shout out to all my Australian listeners. There's kind of a, a there was a big tragedy over there. There was a car fire, and this was very big news in Australia because a woman and her three young children have been killed in a car fire allegedly started by her husband, who also died in the incident. This was in Brisbane, Australia. So Hannah Baxter was 31 years old, and she was in the car when 42-year-old husband Rowan Baxter climbed in and soaked the car with gasoline before setting it on fire. She actually managed to jump from the vehicle and scream, he's pouring petrol on me. But she later died of her injuries in the hospital. Uh, Baxter, I guess, is kind of famous guy over there. He's a former rugby league player, and he had self-inflicted stab wounds, and he also died at the scene. Jeez, dude. Uh, he was with the New Zealand Warriors Rugby League outfit in the mid-2000s, so kind of a minor celebrity, I suppose. Tragic. See, it doesn't just happen here. Let's turn to your Weinstein update. That's right, the Harvey Weinstein trial. They're still, they're still uh, deliberating. It's not over yet. And the jurors in the Harvey Weinstein rape trial did send a note to the judge yesterday, Friday afternoon, suggesting that they were deadlocked on the most serious charges in the indictment. 
but also that they might have reached a verdict on three other counts. And we don't know which way. So this yesterday was the fourth day of deliberations, and the jurors asked the judge if they were allowed to return a unanimous verdict on the three lesser charges on the verdict sheet, which include rape and criminal sexual act, but remain split on the two charges of predatory sexual assault, which carry a maximum penalty of life in prison. <clears throat> uh, the note did not say what the jury had decided on those lesser counts. Weinstein's lawyers did say they would accept a partial verdict, but prosecutors said they were not willing to do so yet, and Judge James Burke refused to allow it the judge did tell the jurors to keep deliberating, saying that they were in a critical stage. So remember, the case against Weinstein was built primarily on the accusations brought by two women. Miriam Haley, that's the former production assistant who testified that Weinstein forced oral sex on her in 2006. And Jessica Mann, 34, an, an actress who said that Weinstein, Weinstein raped her in a mid town Manhattan hotel room in 2013 and he is being charged with criminal sexual act in Haley's case and two counts of rape in Ms. Mann's case but those predatory sexual assault charges depend on the jury also finding that Weinstein is guilty of raping the actress Annabelle Skior you remember that I covered that she had testified that Weinstein barged into her park, her uh, apartment and raped her in the early 1990s. And because her rape allegation is too old to be charged, it could still be used to prove the sexual predator charge. So that's what's going on. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I've, I've gone over it many, many times, and, and the defense attorney pointed out that many of these women maintained comms with Harvey Weinstein long after the alleged attacks. You know what? He's not a sympathetic figure whatsoever, and he's old and fat and gross. So they'll probably just throw, they'll probably just throw him in prison just for that. But I I bet I've a, I, there's no way to prove this. If Harvey Weinstein was like you know I don't know say like 45, jacked, tan, you know, and was hot, I I don't I bet the jury would let him off with nothing at this point with all the, with all that we know. And that's not saying he's a good person, ladies. Don't freak out. I'm saying. By law, if you're a juror and the defense says, look, look at all these emails we have from these women expressing loving thoughts to this guy after the supposed rape happened, are you then as a juror going to vote to put him in jail for the rest of his life? It's an ugly business. So nothing yet. It'll probably happen uh, next week. Okay, what else? Oh, I mentioned this before. Okay, so, so let's let's go to this uh, dwarf in in Australia. Uh, this is a great little sky. Uh, you know, I saw many of you tweeting this out too, and you know, I never hop on internet bullshit like you know causes or crusades. I I, I don't really do that, and because this is why, because you really don't know, do you? And this is, of course, the boy who appeared in a now viral video sobbing that he is the nine-year-old victim of bullies, right? And this was spread by many, many accounts. I mean, Hugh Jackman, a huge A-list movie stars, right? And it was a, you know, it was sad. It was a sad story. But the boy's mother 
has spoken out. Her name is Yaraka Bales. The kid's name is Quaden Bales, right? And so everybody, the internet being what it is, everybody's like, oh, this kid's awesome. And uh, then some people started questioning, is this some kind of scam? Um, one person tweeted out that he was really 18, but that was just an internet frenzy because then NBC featured a piece about the young boy Bales uh, talking. So it, it, it does seem like he's a real little kid, but then his like Instagram and stuff and all kinds of like, he had all kinds of like weird pictures of him, like, you know, posing with all this like money and shit like that. And they're saying, like, this kid has and his family do have plenty of money. He's on Instagram. Uh, you can check out his Instagram page. I'm sh- it's been carefully scrubbed, apparently. But his Instagram is at Quados, Q-U-A-D-O-S-S-S, right? And... You know, it, it's come. So that's the thing. So even if he's a young kid, right? Like, you, why are you? What's the money gonna do? And why are you sending like hundreds of thousands of dollars to him? And one guy, I found this one on Twitter, where he says the N word. Unless this is doctored, I mean, and I, I did look. <laughs> you know what? Even if it's doctored, it's funny anyway. So this is only eight seconds long, and you'll hear his mom ask him something, and then you'll hear him uh, respond with the N-word. Let's hear it. So you want a girlfriend? Yeah. Why? You're too young. I'll pop these guns out for you, nigga! <laughs> Do you guys get that? Let's just play it again just for the hell of it. All right? Why? You're too young. I'll pop these guns out for you, nigga! There you go. I mean, if that's fake... It's a pretty good fake. It looks real. I don't see any like weird editing on it. Uh, stop getting swept. Why do you all you guys have to do that? Why do you see the latest stupid internet thing and you have to comment on it? Why? Why? What is that? Like something that's do like really? You want to show people like oh look at how look how much I care about this dwarf kid in Australia for God's sakes. Anyway, I hope he takes you all. I hope he takes all your money. You all got took. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm heartless. I'm just not going to jump on it. I'm going to save my money for fucking other more important things is all I'm trying to say. Okay, back to the news. Where is this? Wisconsin. This is great. Uh, man accused of exposing self at store while trying to get females' attention. Okay. He is 58. God. He and he does look like your grandfather. He's got the beard. He looks like a normal dude. He's not like dirty. He's got a very trimmed beard, actually. But yes, prosecutors are charging. Uh, can you not put the man? They're not even giving the guy the man's name in this article at uh, WISN. Oh, here's the name all the way down at the bottom. Here it is. Byron Oaks. Uh, The complaint said a woman called the police to the Woodman store to report a man walking through the store with his genitals outside of his pants. (laughs) That's such a power move. Just walk around with your fucking ball sack, like, tugged out through your zipper, right? So the officer came in. He finds the man in the chip aisle. 
And according to the complaint, when the man saw the officer, he tried to put his genitals back in his pants. And he told the officer, Byron Oaks did, that he was just trying to get females' attention as he was not happy in his current relationship. And Oaks went on to say he thought that if a female saw him with his genitals exposed, they might try to hit on him. He said he was not good with technology, so he does not use any dating apps such as Tinder and thought this behavior was a viable course of action. So while they walked to the officer's squad car, Oaks said that his dog needed to be let out of his car to use the bathroom since his dog had been in the vehicle for more than two hours. So that's how long Oaks had been in the store walking around with his dick and balls hanging out was two hours and that so so he's like i don't you know what first of all tinder is not that hard to use oaks you download it you put up a picture swipe left swipe right you're not fucking building a rocket ship to mars it's really not that complex so that's that's a bullshit story oh i'm not good with technology i can't use tinder really you're incapable of downloading an app really yeah, this is just this thing. I don't know, but you know, maybe that's one of those things where maybe it works every once in a while. Walk around. I don't know. I'd probably maybe I'd have to see his genitals to make a judgment call. Maybe he's got a really really good looking uh, set of balls and shaft, and it's something the female would just be like, "My God, I I, I just I got I got to have that right now." We'll never know. They did not accompany the article with a picture of his genitals sadly we're not we're not there yet as a society but i feel like if the hey there's a great revenue stream for you papers you're all dying out this is what you got to do you got to get those clicks and you got to have the picture of the perps genitals with the story there you go i just came up with that on the spot you guys that's what you got to do all right let's do some immigration news Uh, First of all, we had Greyhound, the nation's largest bus company. They said this week that it would stop allowing Border Patrol agents without a warrant to board its buses to conduct routine immigration checks. And this came one week after the Associated Press reported on a leaked Border Patrol memo confirming that agents cannot board private buses without the consent of the bus company. Greyhound had previously insisted that even though it did not like the immigration checks, It had no choice under federal law to allow them. So now they would just need a warrant is what they're going to do. And this is funny because, you know, the Greyhound's been under all kinds of pressure from the ACLU and all the illegal alien activists to stop allowing uh, these sweeps. But this is the funny part. Uh, I got to go all the way down here. Where is it? Uh, This is the memo. And the memo obtained by the AP was dated January 28th. It was addressed to all chief patrol agents and signed by then Border Patrol Chief Carla Provost just before she retired. (laughs) So what is that? Is that a final FU? Is that a final uh, resistance? Active resistance? This is what you get. This is all these Obama fucks in the administration. Trump should have been on this. He should have been firing everybody from day one, especially in ICE, Customs and Border Patrol. I've got a bunch of contacts who send me good stuff about 
ICE, the Border Patrol, all kinds of shit. And they tell them they're full of SJWs. And that's what it sounds like. And it sounds like she probably then leaked the memo to the AP and said, see. And it confirms the legal position that Greyhound's critics have taken, that the Constitution's Fourth Amendment prevents agents from boarding buses and questioning passengers without a warrant. Okay, so get a warrant. There you go. Get a warrant then. All these judges who do all kinds of injunctions, good. They can give you a blanket warrant. Uh, then what? We had a big Supreme Court ruling about legal immigration. And the Supreme Court ruled five to four uh, that they would allow a rule to go into effect that would make it more difficult for immigrants to obtain legal status if they use public benefits like food stamps and housing vouchers. This is the so-called public charge rule. Uh, so this rule will now be in effect nationwide. This court's move is a win for the Trump administration. And uh, they're saying, yes, uh, you're, you, if we think you're going to be on government welfare benefits, then you, we don't have to keep you in the country. We don't have to let you in the country. The rule will affect people who are trying to obtain lawful permanent status, otherwise known as a green card. So therefore, it could limit access to green cards if you're on welfare benefits. And I'm like, well, what's the, the scary thing to me is that it was only 5-4. I mean, you'd think... You'd think the United States allowing, choosing the who, it allow, who, who it wants to allow as a legal permanent resident, you'd think that would be a 9 nothing decision. But we have four wildly far-left Marxist Supreme Court judges, who, by the way, do you ever notice that nobody ever questions why they vote the same way on every single thing, that block of four? I saw a stat because uh, the wise Latina was trending after this. Uh, she didn't like this decision at all, right? Sonia Sotomayor. And I saw a stat that said Sonia Sotomayor votes with Elena Kagan and uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg like 97% of the time. And nobody ever questions why that is or how that's even possible. Like, on a, like how is that even possible? It's because they're far-left liberal ideologues. That's why. And then, so ICE isn't all taking all this shit laying down. This is great. U.S. immigration agents arrested two people at a Northern California courthouse. Uh-oh. Flouting a new state law requiring a judicial warrant to make immigration arrests inside such facilities. Well, too bad. ICE agents did make the arrest Tuesday at Sonoma County Superior Court. And ICE said, same shit I've been saying for years, California's law does not supersede federal law and will not govern the conduct of federal officers acting pursuant to duly elected laws passed by Congress that provide the authority to make administrative arrests of removable aliens inside the United States. Yeah, you don't, it doesn't matter what you pass. They don't seem to understand that part. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, of course, all the usual illegal alien activists. The uh, oh, district of San Francisco district attorney, the uh, crazed far leftist Chessa Bowden. Remember the terrorist kid? He condemned the arrest for undermining public safety. They said it was lawless because the agents have no warrants. Again, you don't need a warrant. I don't know where this came from. You're a federal agent. 
If you are in the country illegally, you can be picked up 24-7 and deported. That's the law. What What about this do they not get? No, you don't have to commit any other crime. See, these activists have pumped them full of so much propaganda, the media and the illegal aliens themselves. They're under all kinds of uh, false false facts. <laughs> That's right. Both men, by the way, had been arrested by immigration officers numerous times from 2004 to 2010 and returned to Mexico in response several times. Good. Okay, so what's the problem? I wonder what other crimes they've done. So good. ICE isn't uh, taking any shit. Good for you, ICE. And I and I hope. Uh, by the way, I did get my message from my man, my insider, who's uh, saying that uh, yes, uh, they are going to deploy massive resources into these cities to round up some of these illegal aliens. So remember, you guys, we have a million illegal aliens with final orders of deportation. You believe that? A million. Not that any member of the media will ever, 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 ever ask a Democratic candidate what should be done about that, but that's why you listen to this podcast. And more illegal alien news, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, they identified a suspect in connection with a triple homicide here in California in Paris. And he is 33-year-old Jose Luis Torres Garcia. Uh, He has been twice deported. So a felony warrant has been issued for his arrest. I guess he's still on the loose. The three victims were all found dead Monday next to the Paris Valley Cemetery grave bearing the name of Uver Hernandez Castaneda, a local man who was killed in Mexico in a reported cartel-related hit. Uh, And not that it should matter, but the three victims were also Latino. That's another thing I would love for any presidential candidate to be challenged on. You know, just because they, they, they go to these Latino conventions, these Latino groups, and they grovel. And I've got some great audio on that later. And it's like, do you think the Latinos want to be murdered by the illegal aliens any more than anybody else says? I, I don't think so. That's what I would say if I was running as a Republican. Nobody has the nuts to do that, though. So, yes, Garcia, the illegal alien, is still on the lam. They're looking for him, so steer clear. And just so you don't, you know, buy all the hysteria also, remember, as as much as Trump has tried to clamp down on the border, it's still a huge problem. They put out some numbers here. Listen to this. Uh, 375,000 illegal immigrants who were caught crossing the southern border with a family member in fiscal 2019 were released by federal law enforcement into the interior of the United States. That's from October 1st, 2018 to September 30th, 2019. In that time period, Border Patrol agents working along the U.S. southern border arrested 851,000 people who entered the country between ports of entry. In addition to the 473,682 people who arrived as part of a family, big air quotes there around family, there were 76,000 unaccompanied minors. So that's they then they then they then released 375,000 of them into the interior. See, this is why you need the wall and I've gone over it 100 times cuz once now that they're in here, they're not easily deported. 
unless they're Mexican or Canadian, which you could send right back. If it's any other country, because of our stupid laws, they have to have these long court cases, and the courts are backed up by years, and that's when they just disappear. Not all of them, most of them. Uh, so, yeah, that's why you need the physical barrier. Um, what else around here? Border Patrol transferred a total of 373,770 people to ICE. Okay. Now, ICE deported 267,258 people in 2019, including 6,351 unaccompanied minors. So, I mean, we are doing it. We just don't, there's no, we, you, this would be a military operation. That's how big the problem is. So any deportations we do is honestly, it's just like nibbling at the edges because we just don't have, you would have to have like flights of C-130s, like just trucking down the runways like constantly for months at a time to, to make a dent. Okay. Let's now get into our uh, political roundup. You know, it's, it's coming up. Uh, we're still in the middle of the hotly contested Democratic primary. Of course, today is the Nevada caucus. Bernie Sanders is expected to win. Now, coming up after the Nevada caucus is Super Tuesday. That is March 3rd, and that is primary contest in 14 states. Uh, so that will be the mother load of delegates. Remember, it's a, in a Democratic primary, it's complicated. You're apportioned a number of delegates. In most of the Republican primaries, if you win the primary, you get all the delegates. So it's very easier. It's, it's a lot easier to calculate. I mean, you could make an argument that the way the Democrats do it is, is more fair. But it's a lot more math. And as we saw in Iowa, it can turn into a fucking giant headache. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, Bernie Sanders is looking uh, strong in Nevada, and they think he's going to easily prevail there. So I'm just checking out the Nevada caucus live updates. Remember, we have seven candidates competing. Biden, Boot Edge Edge, uh, Tulsi Gabbard still in there, Klobuchar, Bernie, of course, the hedge fund billionaire Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Michael Bloomberg. So there are 36 delegates up for grabs in Saturday's caucuses. Now, more than 70,000 Nevadans have already participated in early voting, which is huge because I think I saw, I don't have it right in front of me, but like a couple years ago, the entire turnout was like 90,000. So that, that early voting is crazy. So it's undergoing now. A few other super, a uh, few other caucus notes, election notes. Uh, Twitter suspended about 70 accounts yesterday on Friday that were part of a coordinated paid effort to push out positive messages about Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> the dude, spent, dude, you know he spent like a half a billion dollars already? That's just insane. He's got deep pockets, so we'll uh, see how it goes. Now, then a few amusing stories happened throughout the week. One thing, there was a scandal earlier in the week and people were speculating that a rabid pro-beat boot edge edge Nigerian Twitter account was actually Pete Boot Edge Edge's staffer hiding pretending to be a Nigerian guy. Well, BuzzFeed claims 
that no, this Twitter account that tweets about nothing but Pete Buttigieg from my Nigeria is a genuine supporter. But Twitter was going around implying that the account was actually Liz Smith, who's a communications advisor for the Buttigieg campaign. And funny enough, Liz Smith, also I found out, she was Elliot Spitzer's mistress. Remember Elliot Spitzer, the former New York uh, district attorney? Yeah, she destroyed his marriage. And, uh, and, then she, and then I think she got fired from Bloomberg's company or something like that. She's got a really weird, bizarre New York City political corporate checkered past. And uh, Big Gay Pete took one look at that and was like, oh, I got to have this chick. I don't know what he was thinking. But yeah, that was a, a, an amusing story. So BuzzFeed is saying that this rabidly pro-Pete Buttigieg guy who lives in Nigeria and tweets about nothing but Pete Buttigieg is the real deal. Me being me, personally, which do you think is more likely? That that's the real deal or that she got caught and then they had to come up and pay off a Nigerian guy like a couple grand to pretend that he was actually legit? You know what I'm saying? So... We also had Katie Hill. You remember her, the thruple? She was in the news because the husband of a woman who worked on the campaign of Katie Hill was arrested by the FBI for allegedly hacking one of her 2018 primary challengers. And his name is Arthur Dam, accused of launching cyber attacks that paralyzed the website of the political opponent. Uh, the, the guy was not identified the opponent, but identified himself as Brian Caforio. I guess he was running against, uh, the thruple. He said his campaign had to spend tens of thousands of dollars to repair that site that was hacked just before the election. Of course, there's no evidence that Katie Hill or Jan Dam's wife, who also worked for Katie Hill, were involved in the scheme. But what do you think? You think she, you think he just decided to do it on his own? Okay, so uh, again, we had a debate, and it was great because Michael Bloomberg, I don't know if you guys heard me on Jesse Kelly's show earlier this week, but uh, Michael Bloomberg went up there, and everybody was after Mike Bloomberg because that was his first debate, right? And again, he's got no killer instinct. None of these people do. But uh, we came up with a few uh, funny clips, not from just the debate, but there was also some... They had a few town halls, more of these again, where basically the candidates are allowed to go on CNN and spout nonsense to Anderson Cooper, but for some reason they allow him to do that. Uh, let's start off with Sleepy Joe talking about high-capacity magazines. This should be funny. And uh, I made a commitment, and I mean it. I made a commitment that I'm going to do everything in my power, in office or out of office, to get those assault weapons off the street, which I've done once already, and to get those clips that have multiple bullets in them not for sale, not be able to sell silencers, all those things. Okay, so he's going to ban clips that have multiple bullets in them, which would be like pretty much every handgun and rifle you can imagine. But tell me more about how Joe Biden is a moderate, right? And I know he's not going to do any of that. It's, he's just talking shit. But still, I love how people keep saying, oh, he's a moderate. There's a moderate. None of these people are moderates, okay? They're all, they're all wildly for using your tax money to pay for free illegal immigrant health care and all the other nonsense. So I don't want to hear about this moderate crap. Uh here he was babbling about how the U.S. should lead an effort to pay countries not to cut down their trees. Let's hear this. 
all farms and all agriculture and all the stuff we did. Well, they say, wait a minute, you did that, and you did very well. Why can't we do that and have land to farm so we can make more money? So what you have to have is a president who come along and say, okay, let's, I'm going to organize the entire hemisphere and the rest of the world to say, look, we aren't going to pay you not to burn your forest for all of our sake and yours. And instead of, and there's a guy named Dick Luger, who used to be a senator from a neighboring state, a Republican, was a good friend of mine. Dick Luger? He and I introduced the first bill that said, we will trade you debt for environment. If you don't cut down your forest, we will not charge you, we will not collect the money you owe us, because it benefits all of humanity if you keep those forests. So, what I would do, and I'm going to need your help when I do it, I'll bring you along with me, get the rest of the world to say, here's what we're going to do. We will pay Brazil $20 billion, not $2 billion in the world, to not cut down. Okay, not to cut down the trees. So he he, he thinks he's going to get Brazil to not cut down the trees by sending them billions of dollars. I did like how he invoked Dick Luger, which is by far the best name in politics in the history of politics. Okay, let's, I mentioned Mike Bloomberg. I've got a, He had a few quotes, and everybody's training their sights on Mike Bloomberg, right? He's the big enemy now because he's got the big pockets. And you have to understand, this is the Democrat media complex, right? They hate Bernie, and they also hate Mike Bloomberg because not only did he used to be a Republican, he's not one of them, you know? And he's a rich billionaire, and they look at him, and they're, they're resentful of him. Like, you haven't been part of the party. You haven't paid any dues. Who are you to just swoop in with your billions of dollars and, and try to beat us? And so they hate him, so they're all going after him. Anyway, so a bunch of his problematic quotes have surfaced this week. Here's him arguing that transgender rights are a losing pitch in America. Here we go. Throw the bums out. They haven't delivered. They didn't listen to us. If you go to the middle of the country, people would say... Um, if your conversation during a presidential election is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he, she, or it can go to and, and go to the locker room with their daughter, that's not a winning formula for most people. They care about health care, they care about education, they care about safety and all of those kinds of things. And some of these social issues that, and it's not just the American government, the EU government does it as well, uh, we're focusing on a lot of things that have little relevance to people who are trying to live in a world that is changing because of technology and communications and, and things like that. Okay, let me stop him here. And he's, 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 he's absolutely right. It is nonsense. But the media friggin' loves that nonsense. And we have a, we have a far-left SJW social justice warrior media. So the media is not going to talk about the locust plague in Africa like I do. They're going to talk about a transgender man who was inconvenienced because they didn't want him to use the girl's bathroom. You know what I'm saying? And that story will get so much more play in the American media than the millions of people facing famine and starvation in Africa. You know what I'm saying? So our priorities are all messed up. And then here he is saying we should uh, deny health care to the elderly because it costs too much money. All right, let's hear this one. They can fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an x-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just... And all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt us. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, you show up with prostate cancer, 
and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice cream, lead a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do anything. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do that yet. Okay, I'm sorry, I know it was a little faint, but hopefully you guys... Basically, he's talking... This is the death panels argument, remember that? Basically, he's saying, like, and he's... He's right in the sense that the most of the healthcare costs come at the end of a, at, at people's lives when they're old. That's when all the huge costs come in. But Bloomberg is sitting there going, "Well, if you're 95 and you have prostate camera, cancer, we're we're not going to do anything." I mean, dude, people don't want to hear that, especially not the 95 year old guy with prostate cancer. And then Bloomberg, I got another one. This is where he uh, he got shit on too because he was he was implying that farmers anybody can do farming. And so we need to uh, get out of that mindset, and we need more people to do technology. So let's hear this. Anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs, one point. 98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology. And the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different you have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. You know what the funny the funny thing is he's not wrong. He's just so off-putting and, and has like zero empathy and no personality either. That's what people don't like about him. If you would take the time and explain it in a more humane way, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yang was saying the same shit about the automation and the technology, but Yang is much more personable and a lot more and likable and you can't underestimate that quality oh and then this was a this was a good one too he also implied that uh black men ages 16 through 25 do not know how to behave in the workplace Ugh, tough let's hear this cohort of black and latino males age let's say 16 to 25 that don't have jobs don't have any prospects don't know how to find jobs don't know uh that they what their skill sets are don't know how to behave in the workplace where but they let, have to work let me okay there you go so he, again he's just stumbling and bumbling all over himself Okay, and uh, let's see. Who else do I have for the political roundup? Uh, I have, uh, let's listen to Pete Boot Edge Edge talking about Christians who are violating their faith in Scripture. This should be fun. The, the point you talk about, about God not belonging to any kind of a political party. At the last CNN town hall, you said, if your faith calls upon you to help the marginalized, uh, those who are uh, afflicted, to comfort to comfort people, to strive for humility and decency, as the Christian faith does. Uh, and then I quote you, then I just can't imagine that that requires of you that you be anywhere near this president. Do you think it is impossible to be a Christian and support President Trump? Well, I'm not going to tell other Christians how to be Christians, but I will say I cannot find any compatibility 
between the way this president conducts himself and anything that I find in scripture. Now, I guess that's my interpretation, but I think that's a lot of people's interpretation, and that interpretation deserves a voice. Okay, very good, Pete. Uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Like, nobody said, does anybody really believe that Trump is, like, some Christian? No, he's not. The reason Christians, I've talked, gone over, the reason Christians like him is because he fights for their ideas. That's why they like him. They don't look at him as a an example. Uh, and then Pete uh, Boot Edge Edge goes on to talk about health care for the illegal aliens that you're all going to pay for. So you said undocumented immigrants should have been able to receive coverage through Obamacare. This is something that you've said in the past, and you've addressed that in your health plan. Now, let's just say you're the president of the United States. You go to Congress. You're trying to pass the bill, and that becomes the roadblock. That, that, that you're just not able to get it through if you're going to provide access for undocumented immigrants. Would you be willing to put it aside, or is that something you will not drop? I'm going to fight to make sure that anybody can participate on this plan. Because if we are excluding people from the ability to get in on health insurance, we're not just harming them, we're punishing ourselves. Yes, we become right. a less healthy country. More people will be in emergency rooms because they can't get uh, the preventive treatment that they need up front. And more people will be sick. Nobody wins when that is the case. And so I will do everything in my power to make sure that when we deliver this plan, we do it in a way that everybody can yes, participate. free health care for everybody. That's right. Uh, okay. And I, I alluded to this earlier. Here's a, this was one of my favorite moments of the week. This was an Amy Klobuchar went out to the Culinary Union Forum in Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. And she started pandering to the Latino crowd, talking about her name when she was in fourth grade Spanish. This is hilarious. Let's go. My name is Amy. Uh, and uh, when, when I was, took uh, Spanish in fourth grade, my name was Elena. Uh, I, they gave me the name Miyama uh, uh, Elena, Elena uh, because I couldn't roll my R's very, very well. And so it was E-L-E-N-A. Um, and I am just, first, my story is this. Well, okay, I, can't, I don't even want to hear any more from that. You guys thought I was making that up when I put it on Instagram, didn't you? Uh, and then, uh, let's see, here's from the debate. Here's uh, Michael Bloomberg uh, going at it with uh, old crazy Bernie. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Yeah. Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, house one. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, house two. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax... Which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much, yeah, well, and I pay all my home. taxes. <laughs> where, where, where's your home? Tax haven? He lives in New York City. Like, that's not exactly a tax haven. Uh, and then here's Bloomberg going after Bernie for being a communist. So they can have some say over what happens to their lives. Mayor Bloomberg, you own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Okay, so then Bernie starts wagging his finger. He didn't like that at all. Uh, I know I got a lot here, guys. I know it's a lot to get through. Um, I want to make sure, though, that I don't. Well, here's the one. Okay, here's the one a lot of people were going out uh, talking about. This was when Elizabeth Warren 
came after Michael Bloomberg again because it was his first debate. So let's listen to this. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and <laughs> horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Mm. Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. Okay, there's so many cliches and what's a it, when they use working family that always cracked me up every family works pretty much just because you're rich what if you're a billionaire that means you didn't work uh and then i had gavin newsom my stupid governor and he actually went around you know i said on twitter he's escaped a lot of scrutiny from being like a huge buffoon i don't know why but he actually did make the Twitter rounds because he put out a ludicrous pop proposition that doctors should be able to write prescriptions for houses. Yes, I know. I'm not kidding. And he thought this was such a good thing. He was actually originally in his State of the State speech, which was uh, earlier this week. And I have audio of it. And he thought that this was so good. This was such a sick zinger. He decided to tweet it out to uh, much ridicule. Let's hear Gavin Newsom. Healthcare. Stop clapping. Healthcare and housing can no longer be divorced. After all, what's more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head? Doctors, doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin and <laughs> antibiotics. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, you know what? I demand a prescription for a six-bedroom beach house, Gavin. Ugh. All right, is do I, I have many. I got to I got to cut some of them out there. Let's go to. Um, let's finish up with uh, Trump. Here he is talking about. He had a few rallies. Here he is in Vegas, and he's talking about uh, Putin and all the rest of the nonsense. Did you see that? I see these phonies, these the do nothing Democrats. They said today that Putin wants to be sure that Trump gets elected. Here we go again. Here we go again. Did you see it? A story. Aren't people bored? Now, does that include, because a couple of weeks ago, Crooked Hillary said Chelsea Gabbard, right? Tulsi Gabbard and, right? She was a Russian agent. She was a Russian agent, Tulsi. <laughs> and also Stein from Jill Stein. I don't know Jill Stein. I never met the woman. She is a Green Party candidate or was. They said she's an agent of Russia. I don't know her, and I don't know Tulsi. The only thing I know about both of them is they're not agent. They are not agents of Russia. These people are sick. Yeah. It's pencil neck. Pencil neck again. <laughs> sick people. Sick people, folks. Sick people. Probably. Uh, here's Trump talking about the illegal alien crime in Vegas. An illegal alien was charged with robbing and brutally executing four victims last year. 
right here in Las Vegas, three MS-13 gang members abducted a man, tied him up with his shoelaces, shot him repeatedly, and hacked him to death with a machete. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's right here in your place in Las Vegas. Right here. All right, so there, the media hates that he talks. Oh, sorry, that clip ended abruptly. I thought he, I thought he was going to keep going on and on as he is wont to do. Uh, and uh, here is Trump uh, also bashing the fact that the South Korean film Parasite won Best Picture at the Oscar. Twelve more years left for them. Look at that. Look at the press. Look, hey, Mike, look at the fake news back there. It's a lot. <laughs> I always say... Oh, I don't like that. I always say, that's like the Academy Awards used to be. <clears throat> this year we had a movie. They said, best movie. They announced a movie from South Korea. I said, what's that all about? <laughs> the movie was made in South Korea. Look, I get along great with South Korea. But you know, I never saw that one before. They used to call it best foreign movie. But now we do it that way. I don't get it. But that's what it used to be. That's what it used to be. I actually did not know anybody who's seen that movie. Just uh, putting that out there. Uh, so is that is that all I have for the uh, political roundup? Uh, oh, well, here's one more. Uh, let's finish with this. Here's uh, Dana White. The president of the UFC actually went to the Trump rally, and uh, he got up there with Trump. So let's, uh, let's hear with Dana White. What's up, Colorado? How are you today? Colorado, sorry. So, I'm not a very political person. I'll start there. But let me say this. There's things that I can tell you about the President of the United States that you don't hear on TV and you don't hear from other people. Like you said, I've known this man for 20 years. We've actually become even closer since he's become the President of the United States. When somebody becomes the President of the United States, you don't ever expect to hear from them again, okay? And I understand it. It absolutely makes sense. This guy is so loyal and such a good friend. Every time I see him, I saw him today when I met him on Air Force One, the first thing he, he said to me is, how is your family? How is your family? Good man, very loyal. And a very good friend. Okay, there's Dana White. He goes on and on, but uh, you know, it's, you know, Trump loves the loyalty shit. Okay, so that is your political roundup. Let's move on. God, we're already running out of time. Is flying today. I don't know what it is. Uh, okay, quickly. Um, former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, uh, has a book deal. I thought this was freaking hilarious. That's right. This is the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Remember, she testified in front of the resistance and all the impeachment nonsense. So she's running. She's writing a book. And financial terms were not disclosed, but two people familiar with the deal told the AP that the agreement was worth seven figures. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? Who's going to buy this? This chick was nobody. Nobody knew of her. Somebody, and a couple of you guys point out on Twitter, and it's kind of a good point. This is like a money laundering thing. And how they mean it is, so you sign a check, you get you get a resistance check, you, you tell her, like, listen, we're going to make you a lot of money if you just play ball. 
So the way they do that, they sign her to a, a ludicrous book deal. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares about your life story, really. We're going to pay you millions of dollars for it, and then we'll just have one of our uh, corporate drones with deep pockets just buy up mass copies of your book, and that'll like get the publisher their money back, and everybody gets paid, and uh, your book ends up at the swap meet. And it's a good way to like kind of launder the money. I can't figure out why else to do it. She's like a dud, dude. I'm not saying it's because of her politics or anything. She's a faceless bureaucrat. Nobody even knew who she was until the impeachment thing. And she'll be quickly forgotten. You're telling me that's worth a million dollars? Okay. And then uh, we also had this story. One of you guys sent me this. A prison reform advocate was arrested for plotting a huge mass jailbreak by stockpiling weapons, bolt cutters, and even a map in a jail that was under construction. 50-year-old Alex Friedman had been charged with burglary after he was caught in the downtown Nashville Detention Center, which is under construction, and he was carrying a cooler containing all this shit, and he wanted to help people get out of jail. Now, he had previously served 10 years for intent to murder, but was said to have changed his life around. He was a well-known in Tennessee as an advocate for prisoner rights and had even consulted Bernie Sanders' office on a bill against private prisons. The prison must now change all 2,000 locks before it can safely open. Has anybody asked Bernie about this? No? Okay. Because I seem to recall the press crawls up every guy's ass who's ever even fucking used the same shitter as Trump. But this dude, prison advocate, it's, it just comes and goes. Nobody cares. Uh, a Florida man has accidentally killed himself when he was going to get his hair cut. The man who was going to have his haircut sat down on a bucket, and as he was waiting for the haircut to begin, he was playing with his firearm like he usually does. Seconds later, and for unknown reasons, the firearm discharged. The projectile struck the man who had been holding and playing with the firearm. He was pronounced dead. Well, what did you learn? Probably nothing. Okay, a couple bad older men again. A Northeast Ohio priest was charged with child pornography, child exploitation, and juvenile sex trafficking. Uh, 29-year-old Robert McWilliams was charged. And guess what he did? He pretended to be a female on social media apps, which he used to make contact with minor male victims. Allegedly, certain of his victims were young boys McWilliams knew because he had served as a priest in parishes with these children. Posing as the female, McWilliams allegedly enticed the minor male victims to send sexually explicit photographs and videos. Here we go again. I'm sure, Kids, you better listen to your uncle. I keep telling you the same shit week in and week out. You're not going to listen. You're going to keep sending pictures of yourself. And another one, a Wisconsin school district superintendent has been indicted on federal sex trafficking charges. 30-year-old doctor, Daniel Peggs. Peggs. He has been indicted. The victim was younger than 18 years old and 
prosecutors believed Peggs recorded the victim in a sex act on his iPhone as well. This is what your kid's school superintendent is doing. An Indiana couple allegedly used a car to force two teenage boys off a road, angered that the twin brothers were riding bicycles adorned with flags supporting President Donald Trump. And they got this because of Snapchat videos in connection with the July 22nd incident. They are accused of driving in their car, running the 14-year-old boys off the road, and making threats towards them. Isn't this like attempted murder? <laughs> they got off easy. They are facing like felony charges, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's go to... Oh, there was a bad fire out here. This was sad. In California, in Porterville, a second firefighter has been found dead in a powerful arson blaze that ripped through a California library. This fire was allegedly started by two 13-year-old boys. This is in a town called Porterville, about 80 miles southeast of Fresno. You can imagine a library, lots of books, lots of combustible material, and it went up pretty quick. Uh, so 35-year-old Captain Raymond Figueroa uh, was killed, and then firefighter Patrick Jones was unaccounted for for a while, and they did find him. Sadly, he also passed away. And in other troubling deaths, a U.S. Naval Academy midshipman was found dead on base, and he is the second student at the prestigious service academy to die in just the last couple weeks. Um, the student has, I saw it in another story, that, but in this story, he's not being named, the one they just found. And the cause of death has not been determined. I mean, what else could it be? This is like a young man. I mean, so it's either an overdose or suicide, right? And this was after the death on February 8th of 21-year-old Duke Carrillo, who collapsed and later died during a and 1.5 mile run as part of their semi-annual physical tests. That's just act of God right there. Terrible. Uh, there was a ferry accident. And this was nuts too. Two socialites, 63 and 75 years old, were found in an embrace in the back seat of a sunken car that had rolled off a ferry in Florida. They drowned while hugging in Emma Afra's Mercedes after it fell 50 uh, it fell into the 50 foot deep waters of a channel between Fisher Island which is dubbed Florida's most exclusive private island and Miami Beach so they were sitting in the car and a 20 they had a 2019 Mercedes Benz right it was the lead car in the front lane of the ferry and it was only feet from the barrier which is made out of thin tarp the barrier of the ferry is a tarp. And they think that she touched the accelerator instead of the brake, and the car went friggin' right over the edge after they think she forgot to put the automobile in park. And it went through the barrier and right into the drink, dude. Um, they said they usually place blocks under vehicle tires. But these are like you know not designed if you stomp on the accelerator on, on accident. Uh, there's no video surveillance either. 
and other ferries have usually have large steel barriers which also form the ramp oh, i'm looking at a picture of it right now this is the stupidest friggin' thing i've ever seen there's i'm looking at a picture there's like a car and it's like five feet from the edge and sure as shit it's just a tarp like what are you doing ah oh, that's very sad man these were two longtime friends old, old older ladies and they friggin' died God, terrible <clears throat> what else uh, let's go to our hip hop update. And the, you guys saw, I tweeted this out of Bravo Kilo actual, the mysterious death of pop smoke, the 20 year old viral rap sensation. Yes. Pop smoke is the name of a rapper, real name, Bashar Jackson. And he was killed during a home invasion in Los Angeles. Now they're still investigating the motives behind the attack because Thursday night TMZ reported that this kind of appeared to be a targeted hit after initially saying it was a robbery gone bad. But yesterday afternoon, LAPD is now disputing that assessment, so we still really don't know. This occurred early Wednesday morning. At 4.30 a.m., the LAPD got a radio call about an assault with a deadly weapon. When law enforcement arrived at this home in the Hollywood Hills, a rental, they found Jackson gravely wounded and transported him to Cedar sinai He died from his injuries 45 minutes later. It was a gunshot wound to the torso. He was only 20 years old. It's very sad. And this is kind of an affluent neighborhood <clears throat> owned by a real housewife of Beverly Hills. And in TMZ's report, sources who had watched the surveillance footage described what they had seen. In the tape... Surveillance tape, four men approached the house and walked around the back. A few minutes later, three returned to the front of the home. The fourth seemingly entered through the back door, which had no cameras on it. In that time, multiple shots were fired, striking only Jackson. Minutes later, the fourth individual walked out of the front door of the house, apparently empty-handed. So they're wondering if this was a robbery, why did, wouldn't they carry anything out? Uh, so they're not sure. And then uh, Pop Smoke had been seen, like, you know, flashing a bunch of cash on an Instagram post, like, hours before. So maybe they saw this shit and were stalking him. I don't know what. I would never put that shit on. All these rappers and guys like that who carry around all the bling. I mean, you're just advertising. And then in further hip-hop news. So Dwayne Wade, the former Miami Heat basketball player, he's been making, he's been going on a media tour. Uh, because Dwayne Wade, uh, Dwayne Wade's daughter has come out as transgender. Uh, it was a born Dwayne Wade's. I know this is always I mess up. You know, bear with me with the pronouns because it's hard to read it. So Dwayne Wade had a son, a biological male son, who now identifies as a woman. A so it's now his daughter Zaya, twelve years old. Okay, she is now a female. Well, several hip-hop artists did not care for this, and rappers Young Thug and Boozy Badass uh, did, not, did not think highly of Dwayne Wade doing this, and Boozy took to Instagram with his video message, and he thinks uh, Wade is uh, tripping. So let's listen to Boosie talking about Dwayne Wade and his daughter, Tintin. I gotta say something about this shit, bro. Dwayne Wade, you gone too fucking far, dog. That is a male, a twelve-year-old, 
at 12, they don't even know, they don't even know what their next meal gonna be. They don't, they don't have shit figured out yet. He might meet a, a, a woman, anything at 16 and fall in love with her. But his dick be gone, how you gonna? Like, bro, that's, it's, you going too far, dog. Don't cut his dick off, bro. Like, bro, for real. If he gonna be gay, let him be gay. But don't cut his dick off, bro. <laughs> like, don't address him as a woman, dog. He's 12 years old. He don't, he's not, he's not up there yet. He, he hasn't made his final decisions yet. Don't cut his fucking dick off, Dwayne Wade, bro. You fucking tripping, dog. You tripping, dog. You tripping, dog. All right, he's tripping, dog. I, you know what? A lot of people, whether they want to say it out loud or not, agree 100% with what Boosie's saying. That's a fact. And, and, and in, in Wade's defense, nobody's talking about cutting any dicks off. So I don't know where he got that. But no, certainly, and if you've been listening to me for a long time, you know my stance on it. Uh, it should be fucking, you should be thrown in jail if you perform genital surgery on anybody who's underage. Absolutely, I agree with him on that. So anyway, but the saga continued because after he posted that video, he got shit on all over by the internet. But a lot of people did agree with him. And... Boosie then made a video saying he got kicked out of Planet Fitness, where he works out the workout chain, because of what he said about Dwayne Wade's son. And he made a video about this. Let's hear it. Here we go. Do not go to Planet Fitness. They racist. They haters. They just put me out of Planet Fitness because of what I said about Dwayne Wade's son. And they said I said a video of one of their employers was faggots or some shit they chasing for Dwayne Wade's son so don't go to Planet Fitness no more nobody nobody goes to Planet Fitness they got roaches in that bitch <laughs> okay so, so it's kind of embarrassing if you're a rapper going to Planet Fitness I'm just gonna come out and say it dude you'd be better off like with an at-home gym come on man Planet Fitness you're supposed to be hard bro uh, all right how we doing on time all right quickly uh, Trump had a big week too. He granted he granted clemency to some uh, criminals, including Rod Blagojevich. You guys remember him? Now you know what this was. Like, I don't understand what he's doing here because it's like, dude. First of all, you're supposed to be draining the swamp. Rod Blagojevich. Sorry, the uh, name's getting me. He uh, was convicted and he did get a really long sentence, uh, but he did pardon. This was in his uh, his scheme. He was the former Democratic governor of Illinois. And remember, Obama was going to leave his Senate seat to go run for president. And so Blagojevich was apparently, he was looking to sell the Senate seat because he could appoint somebody. Uh, so that is what he got the jail for. And in addition to that, it was a, a couple other, but the big name was Blagojevich. He got a 14-year prison sentence when he was convicted. And Trump said that that was a ridiculous sentence, in my opinion. And and it's like the same with Roger Stone. I mean, 14 years, and we have people who rape people who don't get half that. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's really a wise commutation because the idea of a commutation to me is like the the Super Bowl ad, right, where he pardoned the African-American woman, Alice Johnson, that made more sense to me because, first of all, you're trying to reach a constituency that you're not doing well with, African-American females, right? 
So by all means, pardon one who got a ridiculous sentence for doing something. I understand that. I don't know what voter constituency you're trying to get by, uh, by doing this. But they kind of have a personal relationship, don't they? But the sentencing on some of these white-collar crimes, look, I think Blagojevich should have been convicted. Absolutely, he should have been yanked out of office. He should have gotten a felony on his record. And yes, he probably should have done some time. 14 years? That's like Roger Stone, like I said last week. Roger Stone is basically talking shit and trying to investigate somebody. And they wanted to give him nine years for that? Come on. But I thought it was a stupid move on uh, Trump's part, but it was a big... Uh, Dust up. Now, the funny thing is, I do have a clip because Blagojevich was on Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump, and he was actually fired by Donald Trump. And I do have the clip of Trump firing Blagojevich on the Celebrity Apprentice. Let's listen to it. Your Harry Potter facts were not accurate. <laughs> Who did the research? There was not a uh, specific direction to do the research on Harry Potter, but the uh, inability to learn the product. And there was an issue in the... Um, was that there? Inability or your inability? I suppose I should have directed everybody else to learn the product. I will say that's sort of an axiomatic thing that you might want to do as you understand what the challenge is. I, can, I thought, convey to them what the challenge was, what, our, what we should do, collaborate with them over the phone with the limitations having the other project manager. Yeah, but you there. went to Orlando to right. learn about Harry Potter. Nobody right. else did. So wouldn't you have been the one to know the product and learn the product? Um, I, I feel like I, I knew the product. In fact, I wrote a lot of the text. Um, you know, I talked about uh, the different uh, houses, and I was the one who said houses and classes interchangeably because I was trying to be more explicit so people can get a concept of it. But it's Slithering and it's Hufflepuff and it's uh, Ravencloth and it's... So are you responsible? I think, I think we did not win. But I think if you were looking at this like a baseball team, we're making progress. I believe some of our talent... Yeah, but you're players, making progress and you're running out of people understand you know you're right. doing wonderfully everything's great but you keep losing and you're running out of people right. Right. and you're the project manager right I know and governor I have great respect for you I have great respect for your tenacity for the fact that you just don't give up but Rod you're fired all right there you go. He's fired. Great respect for him, though. That's funny. So, so what? I never watched a single episode of Apprentice, so I don't know what the. So apparently, he was trying to sell some Harry Potter product, and he didn't do his research. Uh, what is going on? Oh, and then so uh, then finally, quickly, Blagojevich went on Anderson Cooper, and uh, Anderson Cooper was so mad at Blagojevich, and you'll hear how mad Anderson Cooper never gets this mad with anybody. Like, convicted child molesters, nobody. Anderson Cooper was furious because Blagojevich went on his show and said he was a political prisoner. Let's listen to a little bit I, of this. I hope one day maybe you'll join me in the fight to reform our criminal justice system uh, well, and actually me, do something about the about problem that. of over-sentencing right. blacks and Latinos. Right. I, yes, I, I, I learned I think, that when I was there. Okay. What was sad is that you hadn't actually learned that when you mattered, when you actually were the governor. You, work, you talk about working for the criminal justice reform. There's a lot of people in Chicago, there's a lot of people in Illinois who actually, like, spit up when you say that because when you were actually in power, <laughs> when you were actually governor and you could have helped thousands of people with clemency cases, you blew it off. 
the governor after you inherited a huge backlog, nearly 3,000 clemency petitions that you failed to review. In fact, you were sued by, by uh, you were sued as governor by Cabrini Green Legal Aid to try and pressure you to actually pay attention to clemency cases instead of extorting people for money and campaign contributions. So it's a little ironic and frankly a little sad and pathetic and hypocritical you talking about you know commuting getting a you get a commutation of a sentence which is within the president's right but you ignored a whole hell of a lot of other people who are hoping you might give them clemency when you actually matter yeah so actually well, you know what question, i'm happy to I'm, there wasn't a yeah. question it was a statement i'd be happy to work with people oh, on criminal justice yes. reform but i wouldn't work with you oh okay can i answer that yes. statement and question okay i'd like to address that look when you've been put where I was and you have all the time that I was given to think. Okay, I'm just going to stop it there because I'm running out of time. And, like, it's just funny. Anderson Cooper is so worked up. It's hilarious. Okay, um, let's move on quickly. Uh, an adult film was shot at Santa Monica Public Library during business hours. Yes, that is not, uh, not going too well. So this was on Pornhub. If you guys want to go see it, then you, you can go look at it. The face of the man in the video is never shown. Uh, there is a female in the clip. They did not name her in the CBS2 story. They're too delicate to name her, apparently. Uh, why do they do that? This is what makes me not want to use you as news. I swear, our media is horrible. Other people have named her. I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. So they did shoot uh, this during business hours, uh, a full porn film. Go look it up on Pornhub. I know you guys will. <laughs> What else? A Mexican doctor was arrested in Florida for acting as a Russian spy. Yep, that's right. He was recruited by an unnamed government official from Russia in 2019 and instructed to rent a specific property in Miami-Dade County, Florida. And he snuck into a condo to try to confront a confidential U.S. government source, and that's when he got arrested. Hector Alejandro Cabrera Fuentes. He is a Mexican doctor who graduated from, with a master's degree in molecular biology from Kazan Federal University, located in Kazan, Russia. So I guess that's how it started. Wow. Yep, he was charged with acting within the United States on behalf of a foreign government without notifying the attorney general and conspiracy to do the same. Uh, I've kind of avoided this story, but the Daily Mail is now putting it out, so there might be something to it. Um, the Daily Mail is saying, according to a Somali community leader, Ilhan Omer did marry her brother, of course, the congresswoman, to keep him in the U.S. And this is now on Daily Mail, so they've done they've been pretty good. And they're quoting Abdi Hakim Osman the first person to go on record to speak of how Omar said she wanted to get her brother papers so he could stay in the United States. And uh, it is rumored that Ilhan Omar and Ahmed Elmi, her husband, were siblings because of a lack of paperwork in war-torn Somalia. Proof has never been uncovered. And we still don't have any proof. It's all just like word of mouth. But I just still, it is, it is pretty friggin' funny, too. Uh, Steven Spielberg's daughter has come out as a porn star. Yes, 23 years old, uh, Michaela Spielberg. 
is now starring in her own solo pornographic videos. Uh, the Nashville, Tennessee resident also announced that she hopes to score an exotic dancing gig as soon as she gets her state stripper's license. <laughs> they, have, they have licenses for strippers? Wow. Apparently that license is quite difficult to obtain, according to the New York Post. Uh, that is a license in the state of Tennessee. And she, yes, she has told her parents. She was adopted by Steven Spielberg and his wife, Katie, as a baby. Dude, she hit the friggin' lottery ticket, and that's what she's going to do? Very nice. Uh, the U.S. is leading all countries in reductions of CO2 emissions since leaving the Paris Climate Accords. How funny is that? That's right. The Paris-based International Energy Agency revealed in a report this week that, quote, the United States saw the largest decline in energy-related CO2 emissions in 2019 on a country basis. That is a fall of 2.9%. And it is 140 million tons. Now, the entire European Union, 28 nations, only lowered emissions by 160 million tons. So we almost beat them, and we're one country. And this is all over the fucking cry-facing when we withdrew ourselves from those stupid Paris Accords. I told you at the time, all that was was bureaucracy. Capitalism is leading the way because consumers are demanding cleaner products, and the capitalists are much quicker and better at responding to that than these lumbering quasi-socialist countries in Europe. Come on. Uh, one of you guys sent me this story right before I started recording, and you said this is probably too late from the pod for the podcast, and I said, oh, contraire. In, where is this? D.C. Everest in Weston? Again, huge pet peeve of mine, you guys know. I don't know what state this is in. This is from the Wausau Daily Herald. Another reason why all the newspapers are going out of business. The inability to put what state they're in. Anyway, a high school social studies teacher is uh, accused of taking inappropriate videos of uh, students. He was upskirting girls. Uh, 38 years old, dude. Uh, how did they catch this guy? A uh, students came forward, okay. So the cops went to him, and they found 138 upskirt videos on one of his phones. And they had been taken over the past five years. If you guys don't know, he's basically sticking his phone down and trying to get a video of the underage girl's genitals while they're wearing their skirts. Hence the name upskirt, if you really don't know what it is. Wow, 138. Uh, I got some sports news. First of all, a former Browns starting lineman, an offensive tackle named Greg Robinson, was arrested at the southern border this week. And Robinson, he's the former number two overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft, was in possession of 157 pounds of marijuana which was stored inside several large duffel bags in the rear cargo area. <laughs> Are you serious? You think that's going to get by the dog? And yes, they were alerted by a canine. I mean, I'm looking at, they have a picture. 
huge duffel and it's like a small car like you don't even need a dog like you'd look at this car and you're like oh what's in those huge friggin duffel bags yeah people still trying to make some money off smuggling weed uh and then in a kind of political sports news a retired san francisco giants aubrey huff was disinvited to the team's 2010 world series reunion over his unacceptable political tweets he is 43 years old, and yeah, how do you disinvite a guy from an upcoming reunion about the, because even if you hate him, right, he was part of the team that won on the field of play. Like, especially coming from the Giants, this is funny, because you they celebrate Barry Bonds like he is a god in that city for the, the Giants do, and he was a huge cheater. He took steroids his entire career. But yeah, he's gotten in trouble on social media. For example, in November, he posted a picture of himself on Twitter holding a target riddled with bullet holes and a caption reading, quote, getting my boys trained up on how to use a gun in the unlikely event Bernie Sanders beats real Donald Trump in 2020, end quote. And then in a January tweet, he wrote about, he it was obviously a joke. Of course, we can't have jokes anymore. He wrote, about kidnapping Iranian women so, quote, we can bring them back here as they fan us and feed us grapes, end quote. Uh, yeah, and I love the, what, do you think he was really going to do that? Stupid. But I think the real reason is that now San Francisco has hired a coach, a female baseball coach, okay? And so Aubrey Huff had tweeted about that saying, it's ridiculous and I would never take instruction from a female baseball coach. He was asked about this on a radio show that he went on. This should be good. Let's listen to this. Believe what you want to believe on the left. I'm cool with it. No, no big deal. But don't try and tell me how to believe as well. And you know that's kind of where I'm in the woman coach thing. Listen, here's my deal with that. I don't believe a woman uh, should be in men's pro sports. Absolutely not. There's so many more people, uh, especially men, that grinded it out that deserve that spot more than she does. But I also don't believe that men belong in women's college sports or sports in general either. Why would they want to be? I would want to coach women's sports. Women are tough enough to deal with anyway. But let's be Aubrey, Aubrey, do you really think do you really think right now is the time to make that joke? We're no. trying to have you on to present this in both lights. But hey man, this is this you guys had me on. This is oh, not he's my joke. Super you mad. Don't like it, then you don't have to interview me. But this you can understand Twitter, why the Giants wouldn't want to bring you, you back. Want. If you don't like my Twitter, don't follow me. If you don't want to interview me, don't call me. That's kind of how I am, brother. I'm not. I'm not following you. I would never follow you. What I wanted was the opportunity today to bring you on the show so we could at least hear your side. And now I'm realizing what a mistake that was. Okay, typical friggin' SJW sports guy. I, I looked up that chick. She's never played base. I, I don't even know. She might have played baseball in like Little League. She was like some former college softball coach. So I'm like, let me get this straight. You, you've never played the sport at any significant level. And you're going to go be like a coach, not work in the front office, not work in marketing, not work as team president. All of those things to me would be fine. Women executives are smart. They're valuable. That's a great resource. But don't tell me that she's going to teach Aubrey Huff how to hit a baseball. She's never played baseball. The idea is a fucking joke. <laughs> it is a joke. And he's right. What, that's absurd. 
uh, that just blew. And I was trying to explain that to people, and they're like, oh, well, there's plenty of coaches that never played in the big leagues. And I'm like, yeah, they played baseball, though. Somebody was like, Bill Belichick never played in the NFL. I'm like, but he played college football. He knows how to play. He's played it. Uh, stupid. But yeah, go on. You can't say that. But saying that, your persona non grata, your PNG. But if you inject yourself with drugs for decades and cheat the entire time, like Barry Bonds did, you're a fucking welk. You're a hero. I think they probably build freaking statues to him. All right, quickly. I'm running out of time. Boy Scouts seek bankruptcy to survive a deluge of sex abuse claims. God, that's tragic, man. And for those of you guys who thought it was like this was because they started like letting in girls and gay people, let me assure you, this went on for many, many decades. And they fucking covered it up, and this is their own goddamn fault. This went on forever. You guys don't remember the Boy Scouts when they hid? They had all those uh, rapist files of problematic scout leaders, and instead of calling the police on any of them, they just hid them. And they didn't do anything about it. Well, now they're declaring bankruptcy. They have assets. Uh, they have liabilities in the range of $500 million to a $1 billion from all these lawsuits. And they have thousands of people who are now suing them. And they think there's going to be... They, they say experts think there was like 8,000 perpetrators of child abuse in the Boy Scouts. And they fought the release of some of those files in an Oregon case in 2010. So that's why uh, they had a big problem. Now, in their defense, they say the vast, vast, vast majority of this was like, you know, many, many years ago, which is true. But it was just, it's always a bad look to cover this shit up. Uh, a mother claimed her child with special needs was formed, uh, forced to perform a sex act on a school bus. Oh, my God. This actually happened in 2018. The child was eight years old at the time has ADHD, dyslexia, and other stuff. And his mom says he was pressured by a fifth grader to perform oral sex on the fifth grader. What kind of little monster is that fifth grader? A Florida doctor who had ambitions to one day to become the president of Ghana faces charges of stealing $26 million from health insurers for surgeries he did not perform or for carrying out unnecessary procedures. The doctor, Moses de Graft Johnson, that's funny, Moses de Graft, was charged this month with conspiracy to commit health care fraud and more than 50 counts of health care fraud. See, this to me, like the white, if you steal, stealing money and spend like Madoff, that's what you should get like decades in prison for if we're talking about white collar sentences. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the BBC came out with new research saying sex robots may cause psychological damage. That's right. U.S. researchers have warned that the availability of sex robots with artificial intelligence poses a growing psychological and moral threat to individuals in society. And the scientists want action to prevent the unregulated use of such robots. Yeah, good luck with that one. Uh, Rick Grinnell is now being inserted as the new acting intelligence chief. This is uh, the current U.S. ambassador to Germany. He is now going to be named as the director of national intelligence. Um, what else? Rome has unveiled a tomb 
that is thought to belong to Rome's founder, Romulus. And this was presented to the world on Friday, yesterday, after months of investigation. This is a 6th century B.C. stone sarcophagus. Uh, was discovered under the Forum in the heart of Italy's capital over a century ago, but experts could not agree on whether or not it belonged to the fabled figure. According to the legend, Romulus founded the city after killing his twin brother, Remus. And they were long divided, the experts, over not only whether the pair actually existed, but if so, where Romulus's body may have been buried. So uh, they said recent clues all point to this being the founder's tomb, and they're labeling this an extraordinary discovery. Uh, funny piece of trivia, a contracting buddy of mine was actually named Romulus. Uh, people always did a double take when they learned his name. A Pittsburgh firefighter was charged with sex offenses involving a minor. <laughs> yep, Brian Kosanovich, arrested by federal agents in Virginia, 50 years old. And, uh, yes, he engaged with undercover agents and expressed in graphic terms what he wanted to do with a fake little girl and her mother. He also paid for sex toys. He sent pictures of his genitals and asked to engage in sexual acts with the mother and daughter. Okay, another obvious non-podcast listener. National Health Service staff can refuse to treat racist or sexist patients under new rules in the UK. Isn't that great? The government health care. So if they think you're racist, they don't have to give you any health care treatment. That's the danger of government health care right there. If they have everything, they can take everything away. Uh, yes, they said these protections will extend to any harassment, bullying, or discrimination, including homophobic, sexist, or racist remarks. I wonder if that would include like an ethnic minority uh, telling the doctor, well, I don't like you because you're white. I would prefer a doctor of my own ethnicity slash gender. Is that hateful and racist? I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? Of course, it probably won't. Uh, bad diets are contributing to uh, plummeting sperm counts. You guys got to fix your jizz. Men who eat junk food have 25% fewer sperm than those who eat healthily. And they analyzed sperm quality of almost 3,000 Danish men aged 18 years old. And these findings fuel fears that this modern diet and your lifestyle are leading to spermageddon, is what they call it. Yes, the rapidly declining rates of the sperm. Uh, and let's go to the big finish, guys, because we're running out of time. First, I got two of them. A man was stuck with a permanent erection after a penis operation when 1.5 tons of glass fell onto his lap in a construction accident. Huh. James Scott suffered the accident at work four years ago, right? He suffered injuries, so he had major surgery to repair his penis problem two years ago. However, the operation left him with complications and struggling to get an erection. So then he had more surgery, which involved inserting metal rods into his penis, but now he is plagued with a permanent erection. And obviously, he said 
I'm in agony. I can't bear anything to touch it. I can't even wear clothes. I can't leave the house. I can't even be around my kid because I've got like a fucking boner constantly. It's horrible. And then finally, a ex-megachurch pastor who claimed televangelist Ernest Angley forced him to get in a vasectomy and inspected his genitals has settled a sexual harassment suit against the international known televangelist. This guy, Ernest Angley, he's a big you know, TV guy, international televangelist, you know, the usual. And it was, this was out of uh, Grace Cathedral and the Cuyahoga Falls Church. So Brock Miller was the former assistant pastor, and he alleged that Angley forced him to get a vasectomy, would inspect his genitals, and uh, there's some there's some friggin' gnarly like detail in this article. First of all, um, the church leader told Miller he needed Miller to masturbate in front of him to ensure that he quote ejaculated correctly end quote. He also invited Miller to his home for a special anointing, during which he massaged Miller while he was nude. And Miller said Angley subjected him to at least a dozen anointing sessions over the next six years. And Angley frequently would try to teach Miller how to French kiss, which he referred to as a, quote, tongue sandwich, end quote. And there's lots of pictures here of this guy all over the world touching little children and that's fucking it you guys it's a black hole of fucking despair that's two and a half hours straight through no breaks no editing once again i'm the only guy capable of doing it everybody knows uh please go to itunes leave me a review uh one of you guys this was a very nice one uh ham said this is my second time listening to the podcast i'm usually a diehard rogan fan but this is Taking over. Thank you, BK, for this great source of information. And then Matt Attack wrote, World News with BK is the best news from around the world with a logical, no BS perspective. Perspective. And uh, Olaf said, great work reporting stories the mass media will not. Hey, guys, I really appreciate that because that's uh, how iTunes kind of ranks the podcast. So go to iTunes, leave me a review, and maybe I'll read yours. In the meantime, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Bravo Kilo Actual, for that breaking news. Check out the Twitter, or uh, check out the Instagram, at BK Actual. I'm fucking spent, and my throat is shot, so that's going to do it for me, and I'll see you next time. Is it me? Am I the target for destruction? What about the system and total corruption? I can't work at no fast food joint. I got some talent, so don't you get my point? I'll organize some brothers and get crazy loot. Selling D-I-U-G-S's and clocking dollars, true. Cause the fact, though, yo, that suits me fine. I gotta have...